it going today, guys? Back here live in the studio for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today is Friday, January 15th, 2021. Um, it's wild, or it's the weekend after Wild Card Weekend. It is now the divisional round. We got some great NFL games for y'all. Y'all know we're going to break all those down. First, though, we got some big storylines to break down, and I am joined once again by Ben Gorwitz. Ben, say what's up to everybody. Yeah, glad to be back on another Friday. You guys know what that means. Logging off work, it's time to talk sports. Oh, yeah. We don't have too many more of these Fridays left in the season, which makes me a little bit sad, but we're ready to break everything down. Y'all already know I would have started out with the James Harden trade. I mean, the huge news coming out of the NBA, but actually, it's kind of clutch. Right before me and Ben hopped on this podcast, about 15 minutes before, the Falcons made official that they have named Arthur Smith their new head football coach. Ben, he's from your backyard in Nashville, Tennessee. What do you got to say about the signing? Is it good or bad? Did we do good? What What are you thinking? Yeah, I think the Falcons. I mean, the Falcons. The only um, the only thing I wanted to see with hiring a new coach is getting an offensive guy. So I, I don't. I mean, you know, I know that Joe Brady's is you know popular name. Seems like everyone kind of wants him, but we don't know if he's going to be a good coach. So I just wanted an offensive guy to get the train moving. Um, so I'm happy they hired an offensive guy from Tennessee. They're a former offensive coordinator, and he's going to come to Atlanta to be the head coach. So now I'm interested to see um, how him and the GM kind of pair together because it sounds like the Falcons are going to hire the assistant GM of the Saints. <clears throat> from what I've read, people think people in the NFL think uh, Adam Schefter tweeted that he thinks this is going to be a good pair moving forward for Atlanta. So. I'm interested to see who is going to run the defense because Arthur Smith is an offensive guy. He had a lot of success in um, areas where the Falcons struggle. He, since he's been calling plays for the past two years in um, Tennessee for the Titans, the Titans have had the best red zone efficiency of any team in the NFL. That's an area the Falcons have struggled in the past couple of years is the red zone. So I'm, being, I'm just interested to see. I'm glad they got a guy. I'm interested to see how they want to move forward. We don't know if they want to keep Matt and Julio. Uh, we don't know if they want to draft the quarterback with the first pick. So all that needs to be figured out, but I'm glad that they have a GM. I'm glad they have a coach. I'm glad the coach is an offensive guy. I'm, I'm fine with the hire. So y'all know, if y'all been listening to podcasts, I wanted the Falcons to hire Joe Brady. We didn't. Um, I don't hate the GM spot. I think the Saints do a pretty good job with who they, with their player personnel and everything. So I think we did a decent job there with hiring the GM. Um, look, I I don't love the hiring. Like I really thought Arthur Smith made some pretty bad play calls, specifically in that, um, in that uh first playoff game. I think that he could. I just don't. I don't know if I love his play calling. I will say this though. One thing I do like is the fact that he likes to run the ball a lot. I feel like the most successful teams are teams that can actually run the ball outside of, you know, like the Bills and Kansas City last year. Those are really the only teams that have been successful not being able to run the football. But ultimately, you know, Arthur Smith's got to be good at making the transition from being an offensive coordinator to being a head coach. You know, he's got to pick the right defensive coordinator, which is going to be huge. Um, he's got all the weapons and toys he needs in Atlanta to be successful. So, I mean, everything's there. I mean, he might need a new running back, but, I mean, we can take care of that for him pretty easily. But outside of that, I mean, I, I just really feel like that I'm not going to sit here and say it's like a F hiring. I'd give it probably a B minus right now. 
I think we could have done better, but I just don't know if Arthur Smith's the guy. Like, I don't want to be stuck in one of those situations where you have to go and hire another coach in a year or two. And also, too, I don't know if he's going to delegate the play calling or what he's going to do. But I'm as much as I don't love this, love the hiring, I'm going to try to be positive here and say that he's going to get the job done for us in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's no way of knowing when you hire um, someone to be your head coach that's never been a head coach before. There's no way of knowing or having any proof to say, well, it's a good hire or a bad hire. It's a wait and see. You gotta let him. You gotta give him a chance to prove it, right? So, he's never been a head coach before. We're gonna have to wait and see to see if he's up for the task. I mean, there's a lot of coaches that have failed at being a head coach, but they're a good coordinator. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of coaches that are successful at being a head coach while they came from being a good coordinator. So, it's just gonna be a wait and see. Um, I think the Falcons, just as a team, their upper management has a lot of has a lot more decisions to make. Um, whether they want to keep Matt Julio, whether you want to keep Keanu Neal, mm-hmm. uh, you got to find a pass rusher because Dante Fowler didn't do much this year. I mean, there's Nothing. a lot to figure out. There's a lot to figure out for the Falcons. But what they went four games this year, they got four and twelve. Yeah, so, was that the record? So I mean, listen, you look at this team. I think if you watch a lot of their games, they're better than a four-win team. I think that's what makes the job a little bit more attractive than when you just look at it from the overview. This team was in a lot of games. Um, their uh, point margin was like the best it's ever been in NFL history for a four-win team, which is mm-hmm. not a great stat for Falcon fans to hear. It's pretty embarrassing. But it's the fact that this team is capable of doing things better if they're better managed. We'll find out if Arthur Smith is better at that than Dan Quinn was. Absolutely. You know you, you know what I call that right there, Ben? The most Falcon stat I've ever heard is what I call that yeah. right there. That is the most it Falcon wasn't, stat. But yeah, not hey, pretty. We'll, we'll stay as positive here. We'll support you, Arthur. I don't love the hiring. I would much rather have Joe Brady, but hopefully it ends up working out. We need it for, as Falcons fans. Um, next thing up here now, let's uh, – you know, since we're since we're in the NFL, we'll talk about the other coach hiring, which, or I guess the other two coach hirings, and we'll just go briefly on this one, kind of just real quick. Um, I'll start off with this one, Robert Sala to the Jets. I actually kind of love this hire for the Jets. Um, obviously, Sala's not going to do much on offense. He's going to need to bring in the right offensive mind, which it sounds like he brought in Matt LaFleur's brother, who they're saying is the next boy genius head coach and trying to follow in his brother's footsteps, so... We'll see what happens there. The verdict is still yet to uh, be named on what's gonna, on how good of an offensive coordinator he is. But I love Robert Sala. I think he's the kind of guy who can come in here and turn everything around the Jets. Look, this 49ers team did not have a great season. Even in the Cardinals game when they are playing for nothing at the end of the season in Week 16 on a 5-win 49ers team, Sala was up yelling, getting, you know, getting wild when they were making stops. That's the kind of energy you need to bring. No matter what's going on, he's bringing the energy. He's not going to let this, oh, we're the Jets, we suck, we're 1-16, 2-15, I mean, 2-14. That's not going to fly under him. He's going to get in people's faces, make people compete, and he's going to get hype and hype people up. I think he's the right guy to turn around the culture in New York. Yeah, I actually agree. So the more and more I think about this hire, um, the more I relate it to how similar I see it as as the Giants hiring Joe, um, Joe Judge. Um, I think Judge is uh, he's definitely a defensive-minded guy coming from Belichick, and he's a, he's a motivator. He's not going to put up with any of the extracurricular crap. He's it, it, he, You're either going to play hard or he's not going to play you. I think Robert Salah or Salah is ve- is going to coach in a very similar style to that. Uh, it's very New York to have um, tough skin, to be tough on players, to ask a lot of them. 
but these are professionals. You can do that. These are not 18, 19 year old kids. These are grown men with families. I think he's not going to put up with any crap. I, I think you're either going to work hard or he's going to get rid of you or just not play you at all. So I think that's a good thing. I think he's really going to change the negative culture around the Jets now. I, that doesn't translate to he's going to win right away. I don't know. He's a wait and see. He's never been a head coach before. But I do think he'll get the positive thoughts. Uh, he'll get the culture change the way that I think the Jets need it. Another thing that has already come out and I like is he he doesn't have any. I'm sure um, I think it's Joe Douglas is the GM. Um I, I'm sure he asked this question when he was interviewing head coaches and, you know, what's your thoughts on Sam Darnold? Well, this guy plans on keeping Sam Darnold, and I'm okay with that. I, I think it's a smart decision, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think Sam Darnold has been developed like a lot of mm-hmm. young quarterbacks need to be. I don't think he's had very many weapons to grow with. So, And the Jets don't have him now, but I think that's the next plan is to, to get some offensive line help, more offensive line help, um, they drafted Micaiah Becton from Louisville last year. He's been outstanding from what I've um, briefly seen, but what, from what I've heard from my Jets fans, and they need more offensive line help, but they need weapons at the receiver. So I, I don't think it's fair to say that Sam Darnold can't play quarterback in the NFL because I think he's talented enough to do it. He just needs help and he needs to be developed. So I think this is a big job for LaFleur. Um, if that news is, is official that he's going to be the offense coordinator, it's going to be his job to develop Sam Darnold to get him to the next level and quit because he's not a rookie. He's been in the league for a couple of years now. So it's time for Sam to take some maturity, take some accountability, learn what LaFleur wants him to do and execute it to the highest level. And within a year or two of Robert Sala coaching this team, the Jets will find out if Darnold's their man or not. It won't take that long. Yeah, I, I like what you said there, Ben, especially about keeping Darnold. They're going to need to trade back in the draft and acquire more assets before they're really ready to win like that. Um, the other big head coaching, coaching splash here was Urban Meyer to the Jaguars. Um, they're probably going to draft Trevor Lawrence, so it'll be Urban and Trevor together in Jacksonville. Ben, you're our college expert, so what do you think about this one? So I actually I like the hire. Um, I, I, I just think Urban is a great football mind. Um, obviously, there's plenty of examples of guys that have succeeded at the highest level in college football, but not so successful in the NFL. Obviously, Nick Saban comes to mind. And there's also coaches like Jim Harbaugh, who had success in college, went pro, had even more success, went back to college, and he's the joke of college football now. So it doesn't always correlate with you're good in one at one level and not the other. But I think Urban has matured enough that he knows how to build a winning formula in terms of what coaches he needs and what schemes he needs to run. Now, I, that, I'm not saying the Jags are going to be great under him. He's got to execute the plan, but I think he knows what he's doing, and I like the start that he's off to. So he's reached out to Charlie Strong, who is currently an analyst at Alabama, to be his defensive coordinator. Why do I like that? Because Charlie Strong was Urban's defensive coordinator at Florida when they were winning national championships, so they already have the history there. I know that Charlie Strong doesn't have much NFL experience but the, I, I don't think the scheme changes that much but the piece I really love is that he's going to hire Scott Linehan as his offensive coordinator so why do I like that so who is Scott Linehan for the people that don't know Scott Linehan was the passing game coordinator at LSU this uh, past year he was fired after this past year and I think that's okay he is an NFL coach he was the Cowboys offensive coordinator for a long time if you look up his track record 
He's been in the NFL calling plays for a very long time. I think this is a guy that's the right hire because he's already has the NFL pedigree to help Urban Meyer for situations he needs. And I think that's important for a first-year coach in the NFL. I also was listening to Urban Meyer's press conference, and he said, listen, I'm holding everyone accountable. I need everyone to do their job, and I'm not going to oversee everyone. I'm going to do my part. I need my offensive coordinator to do his. I need my defensive coordinator to do his. And I like that. So I am not a fan of when, and and this is any sport, um, I'm not a fan of when the head coach is also the GM. And I know that Urban Meyer is going to have some GM duties, so I'm not a huge fan of that. But I am a fan of him just coming out and saying everyone needs to be accountable. If I don't think you're doing a good job, I'm going to say it in the meeting that I need you to do a better job. And if I'm not doing a good job, I need you to tell me. I think that's how an NFL organization should be run. Uh, You cannot baby coaches. You cannot baby these players because they're all grown men and they don't care. They're there to get a payday and they're there to play the game they love, right? So I think Scott Linhan is a good first move. And we'll just, like like I've been saying with the other coaches we've talked about, it's a wait and see. I don't know if Urban Meyer can coach in the NFL. No one does. Anyone that tells you it's a great hire or that he's going to be successful, they're lying to you because they don't know. There's no proof. You got to start somewhere. Starting with Scott Linehan, starting with uh, Trevor Lawrence is not a bad place to start. Yeah, um, I'm going to agree with you, Ben. I like everything you said there about the coordinators and everything. I think Urban Meyer is built correctly to be a head coach. You know, in college, he wasn't a play caller or anything. So he knows kind of how to delegate and kind of be that CEO coach, you know, not the the guy who's trying to take over everything. He knows how to motivate his players well. And also, Urban Meyer's a winner. You know, Urban Meyer won everywhere he's been. Jacksonville is a losing culture. I feel like he's the type of guy who can come in there and turn things around. I feel like he's smart as well, bringing in college guys who, you know, can kind of simplify things and, you know, run an offense that's tailored more towards Trevor Lawrence. A lot of things we saw some of these NFL quarterbacks struggle with originally when these rookies would come out is the fact their offenses are more centered around, you know, the NFL game rather than the easier college game. Now they've kind of changed that, and that's why I've seen a lot more rookie quarterbacks be successful. I think the trend will continue here as well, and he'll implement an offensive game plan that's going to be, you know, easier for um, a college quarterback to run. So I like everything that Urban Meyer and the Jags are doing here. And, look, it might it might not be a one-year thing. It might be a two- or three-year thing. I mean, this defense is pretty damn bad. So, I mean, it's not just going to be Trevor Lawrence, although I will say that they definitely – we're missing something at the quarterback. I mean, their line's not great. They have decent receivers and backs. So, I mean, hey, we'll see what happens. I mean, they still had the fifth-leading rusher in the NFL behind that awful offensive line. So, that's something else to think about there. And they have a lot of money to spend. They have, the, I believe they have the most money in free agency to spend. So, we'll see if, if Urban can attract some guys. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jacksonville should definitely – I mean, don't get me wrong. The culture there is not great. Like, they don't have been a winning team in the past. But – I mean, Jacksonville's a nice place to play, man. Just warm year-round. I mean, who the hell wouldn't want to live in Jacksonville as opposed to Minnesota and some of these other places, you know? So that's something else to keep your eye on, too. Um, well, now let's shift things over to NBA before we get into the picks of the podcast. Sorry, guys. we got to make you all wait a little bit longer. This is a massive storyline here. As most of you all know who listen to my podcast and look at me and listen to my sports talk, I am a huge James Harden fan, and James Harden was traded – Finally, he's free from the Brooklyn Nets to the, uh, or sorry, from the Houston Rockets to the Brooklyn Nets as a part of a four-team deal. Um, get you all the official details of the trade here in a second. I'm going to say this first just to talk about the Harden move in general. 
for the Nets. I think it's a great move for the Nets. Look, don't get me wrong. They lost some of their better defensive players. They lost their sixth man in Karis LeVert. They lost some depth, losing Tarian Prince as well and Roden Karuz. But at the end of the day, I think you got to do whatever you can to come out here and win this championship. I also think he's a little bit of Kyrie insurance with Kyrie disappearing. You now, in my opinion, have two of the top five best players in the league with Kevin Durant and James Harden on your team, which I think is huge because, I mean, the Lakers have two top ten players as well with Anthony Davis and LeBron. And, you know, I feel like the, the when you think of these teams who are going to win championships, you got to think of who's their three best players. The Nets now have the, th two, have the three best players in the league and arguably the best duo in the league as well, which I think makes them a lot better. They still keep DeAndre Jordan there for defense. They're definitely lacking a little bit on the defensive end, but you got to be able to stop the Nets. I also think this is great for James Harden. Look, people, just because James Harden's tired of playing in, in Houston are bashing his name right now. He's going to come out here and run point guard and get everyone involved and show people that he's not just a stat pattern, that he, everything results in winning. I mean, he got his team the best record in the Western Conference one year when the best team in the league, the Golden State Warriors, had Kevin Durant on their team. People love to forget that. Also, too... You know, James Harden, he, he's done everything he can here. Why not let him move on? If you're going to judge people on championships and say Harden's not that good because he doesn't win the playoffs, let him go get a team around him. How are you going to bash a player for going to chase a ring and go play with other guys? I think Harden is going to come here with a chip on his shoulder, which is exactly what you want if you're the Nets. You want Harden to come out here and want to prove that he really is like that. I mean, KD needs to get his ring aside from the Warriors to prove that he's like that. You know, Kyrie's playing with, the with a chip on his shoulder trying to show he can win without LeBron. All these players have something to prove, which I think is great. And in Eastern Conference, when you look down the East, I mean, this team is by far the best team in the Eastern Conference. I think the Nets and the Lakers are by far the two best teams in the league. I obviously want to watch the Nets play some games together and see how they mesh and make sure everything works out before I'm going to come on here and say they can take down the Lakers. But I really think this Nets team should be able to win the Eastern Conference. There's really no excuse if they don't. Well, I actually – I'm going to disagree with a lot, but I'll tackle it one by one. Out of this big three, James Harden is the only one that needs to prove something. Kevin Durant's got multiple MVPs, multiple finals MVPs. Kevin and, and one MVP. One MVP. And he's got a finals MVP, and he's got a ring. Kyrie Irving has a ring and hit the game-winning shot. James Harden's the only non-team winner out of this big three. He's won individually, and he's a great player. He's a great individual player. But I, I, when you say they all have to prove something, I don't think Durant has to prove anything. I don't think Kyrie Irving has to prove anything. Once you get a ring, your your legacy is cemented. You're a champion. You don't James think people, though, don't drag KD through the mud for going and joining a 73-9 and nine team? I mean, I don't no, know he, a lot of people he, do. No, a lot of people do, but at the end of the day, he's the best player on the team. At the end of the day, he's the second best player in all of basketball. At the end of the day, he's the top five, probably best scorer of all time. I'm not saying Harden's not. Harden's a tremendous scorer. But Durant's got the ring. He's got the hardware. He's, he's won the team awards. He's got nothing to prove. If Durant retired tomorrow, He's cemented as just our generation, one of the best players that people that are that are um, our age have ever seen play the game of basketball. I don't think Harden is the same. I think Harden individually is a tremendous talent, but he has not won as a team yet. I know that he doesn't. He d didn't play with Steph Curry or he didn't play with LeBron James. I get that, but other people have won, right? So, but here's the thing with Harden. Here's the reason why I dislike him. It's nothing to do with what he does on the court. I think he's a tremendous talent. I think he's a lot of fun to watch. I have a problem with him because the fact that he acted so unprofessional and acted like a toddler. And all it proved was that star players in this league 
have all the leverage in the world over every situation that they want. He didn't want to play in Houston. That's fine. He didn't think they could win there anymore. So instead of just requesting for a trade, giving them a reason why, and coming into camp in shape and showing up, he showed up what looks to be overweight, what he's trashing teammates in, in um, uh, press conferences saying they're not good enough, and I get that. That's fine. There's a lot of teams that don't have good enough players. Never saw Devin Booker trash his teammates. Never saw Chris Paul do it. Chris Paul made it work in OKC. So you can make things work. He made the situation worse for himself. And not really for himself to take that back because he got what he wanted. Like a four-year-old. But he made it He made it worse for everyone around him. And I get that. Congrats, Harden. You got to go where you want to go. But your team benefited from it. Because the Houston Rockets did very well in this trade. Very, very well. They have a team now full of guys that want to play basketball together. James Harden was not a part of that formula. They also got four picks for James Harden. So I think it worked out for everyone, but it, it's a championship or bust. They have no choice but to win this championship or Harden's going to get a lot of heat, more heat than he's ever gotten before. There will be people calling him a fraud. There will be calling people calling him a bust for going to the Nets, and the Nets organization is going to be called a bust for doing this Paul Pierce trade all over again, right? So there's a lot of pressure on these three gentlemen to get the job done in Brooklyn because the city of New York is starving for a championship. The Knicks aren't getting it done. The Yankees haven't gotten it done. The Mets haven't gotten it done. The Rangers and Islanders haven't gotten it done. Who's going to be the first New York team to bring back a ring? Right now, the favorites are the Yankees and the Nets. The Nets play their season right now. The Yankees haven't started yet. There's a lot of pressure on the Nets. I think they can get it done. It's just a matter of will they do it or not. I don't even know where Kyrie Irving is in the world right now. He's not playing games. So they got a lot to figure out, but they have a lot of talent. Now, I'll get to the actual trade and what it means for the Nets. There's three things that I want to keep an eye on and I want to talk about. We all know the Nets are going to score easily. I mean, I I don't think scoring is a problem when you have Durant, um, Harden, and Kyrie. The three things that I'm interested in seeing is how will the entire team gel? Keyword being entire team. You, They need help. Landry Shaman's going to get some open shots. DeAndre Jordan's going to have to play some defense. The entire team's going to have to play some defense, right? So that's my first question. How is the entire team going to gel? Because this can't just be Harden, Kyrie, and Durant jacking up shots, playing iso ball, and expect them to win a title. That, it's a team sport, right? Number two is will Kyrie buy in and be committed? I think that's a valuable. I think that's a fair question because he's missed the past five games. Steve Nash, Coach Steve Nash, can't get a hold of him. They don't even know where he is. I don't think. That's another thing. I think he'll be back and buy in. in, uh, buy in. Number three, and this is most important: Can Steve Nash keep everything in house and in the distractions to a minimum? It's not easy to coach this team, right? I think you look at the Warriors as an example of when Durant went there. Um, and Clay and Clay and Curry are very quiet guys. They don't speak that much. Clay doesn't speak at all. But the personality on that team was Draymond Green. And Draymond Green's shots were going down. Draymond Green was the one asked to step up on defense. And Steve Kerr, it was his job to keep everyone happy while keeping Draymond from getting kicked out of games, whether he was kicking people in the nuts or whether he was getting technical fouls. Steve Nash has never been a head coach before. He is now dealing with three of the harder personalities that the NBA has to offer. Kyrie Irving is currently not bought in. James Harden has been a prima donna since he's been in Houston. 
And Kevin Durant has not really been that much of a problem, but he does like to speak his mind and be involved. So the only thing that can stop this team from winning a lot of games is themselves. And that's a lot of pressure on a first-year head coach and Steve Nash. Ben, I, I agree with a lot of things you said. I also disagree with a lot of things you said. I just want to say this. People like me and you who actually are like reasonable sports fans, we understand with the whole KD thing, but I was in a couple of group chats, and of course I had to defend Harden because everyone was adding me in the group chat because they wanted to argue with me, and they were all coming for KD's neck for going to join the Warriors. So I think KD still has a little something to prove for his legacy. And he... And he got a lot of he got a lot of shit for being the war for joining the Warriors. He absolutely did, but he did what he needed to do there. He proved that he was the best player on that team. Mm-hmm. He, he won the Finals MVP, and he submitted himself as. And I don't think anyone can pass LeBron at this see, point for best player in the league. But yeah, go ahead. See that's what, but see I agree with you on that point because I mean people forget yeah they went seventy three and nine or whatever it was. But they still lost to the Cavs in the championship, yeah. you know? And he came back right. and helped. Not only did they beat the Cavs, but they beat them 4-1, and those games weren't even close, you know? So, like, right. they need him to come back. I mean, look, I, I'll agree with you that Harden didn't go about things in the best way. But at the same time, if you're Harden, if you're going to be judged based off winning rings, I mean, you got to get the hell out of Houston. I mean, the Houston had traded all their draft picks to try with Chris Paul. And, I mean... They probably would have won the ring with Chris Paul if Chris Paul didn't go down and get hurt. I mean, Harden and them tried to win those games against the Warriors. It's just so damn hard to beat a team that has four All-Stars when you're the only All-Star and you're getting all the defensive attention. I mean, they tried. They gave them a hell of an effort at the end of the day. Couldn't and, get it done. And that's fair. And that's you know? fair. Houston then, went all in. And more. And Daryl Morey, mm-hmm. um, I mean, he, he tried something that's out of the box. He tried to go small ball, and it didn't work. And it, and it did screw up the organization. I'm not mad at Harden being... At, he should he should be mad. I mean, I, I think he did everything he could to try and win a championship, and it just didn't work. And that's okay. There's only one team that wins a championship every year, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's better ways to get out of the Houston situation than how he handled it. No, I, that's see, all I'm I, saying. I agree with you on that, but yeah. at the same time, at least he showed up and played. You know, I mean. Yeah, he cut trash his teammates. Yeah, he didn't handle it greatly. But at the same time, you know, at least he showed up and played. We've seen lots of players hold out who don't want to play, you know, because they don't want to be That's there true. demand a trade. So, you know, at least he did show up and play. That's true. But, no, I think at the end of the day, he had to get out of there. You know, he's 32 years old. His game doesn't, you know, I think, honestly, when he's 35, 36, I don't know if he'll really be able to play in the league anymore. You know, his game's basically built off speed and timing, and I don't know how well it's going to translate when he gets older. You know, like, he used to play with the ball in his hand. I feel like it's kind of like an Iverson type thing. Once you kind of lose that quickness, your career's pretty much done. So he's got to go ahead and get it done now while he still has his last couple years. I mean, he's going to have to take the backseat to Kevin Durant, but this point he's got to do what he can do to get a ring. I think you're going to see Harden come out here you know, with something to prove. I mean, I wouldn't even be shocked if we see him turn up his defense another notch too. He's going to be – I see, I think this Nets team's hungry. Not only do they have the best big three in the league now, but they're going to be hungry and they're going to be ready to win this title. I mean, it's going to be fun to watch. If, if he wins in Brooklyn, it's all forgiven. Mm-hmm. He did. He accomplished what he set out to do. And I'll congratulate him for that. But if they don't win – there is a lot of heat coming his way, and there's a lot of heat coming towards the uh, Brooklyn Nets organization because they went all in. They went all in to get Kevin Garnett mm-hmm. and Paul Pierce in that trade, and it probably pushed their organization all the way back until Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving signed on. Right. Yeah. So if you fall again by going all in, you're in trouble. So if it works out, it's congratulations. If it doesn't, you better be able to take some heat. 
Hey, absolutely. That's why I love that point you made about New York being hungry for a championship. This is going to be their best opportunity. I mean, besides, New York basketball hasn't done anything even besides the other New York sports teams. They need something. This Nets team is going to be the best chance they got. Um, last thing I want to say real quick before we get to finally what y'all want to hear, which is the NFL part of this podcast. Um, I thought that the absolute, like the biggest winners, no matter what happens in this entire trade, was the Indiana Pacers, just because not only do you get rid of a guy in Victor Oladipo who reportedly was telling other teams to come get him and that he wanted out, but I feel like you upgraded your team by getting rid of him. I mean, you go get Karis LeVert, a guy who's much younger, you're paying a lot less money to, he just signed an extension, but I feel like Oladipo really hasn't even been that good of a player since he came back from his knee injury, and he's not gelling well with this team. I think the, I think the Pacers went out and got better, and they're going to be competitive even more than they already are in this Eastern Conference. Would you agree with that, Ben? Yeah, I think that I think Karis LeVert is a slightly better player than Oladipo. He's also younger. Same. I also want to I also want to touch on I think the Cavs did a good job in this trade. I mean, are you kidding me? They got Jared Allen for yeah. what? What what did they give up to get Jared Allen and, and Prince, right? Mm-hmm. I think I think it's it's and Jared Allen by the way is like 23 years old. He's been in the league for a couple of years now. He's just really really young. So I think the Cavs did a tremendous job and listen, the Cavs have um, a franchise player in Colin Sexton and what they believe to be a nice duo in Sexton and um, Darius Garland. They just surrounded them with trees. Those guys are not the two. They're not the biggest guards. They are now surrounded by some trees because Kevin Love is still there and Drummond is still there for the time being and now Jared Allen. So, I, you know, I'm not saying this team's going to all of a sudden become a good team, but I, I do like what they did because I don't think they gave up much at all. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. Uh, Pacers are also a uh, winner in this trade, but it is time, guys. We talked about the coaching moves. We talked about the trades and everything. It's time. Bring things back to the NFL. It is a division round now. Four teams left on each side. It's going to be fun to watch everything play out. This is our last. This is a, it, it, You know, Ben, it feels awful to say this, but this is our last Saturday of having football on TV. It makes me a little sad. There's tears in my eyes. Um, start here at 4:35 on Fox. We have the number one seed in the NFC, Green Bay Packers, six and a half point home favorites, hosting the um, LA Rams. Over under set at 45 and a half. Ben, you playing anything on this game? I am. Um, so I actually have two things on this game. Okay. So um, the weather is supposed to be cold. Yep. It is supposed to be snowing. As far as the last time I've checked. One team is from L.A. <laughs> so I don't think the Rams are going to be able to do much in this game. And I don't think it has much to do with the Packers' defense necessarily. I just think this is just a bad spot. Um, I'm going to take the under 45 and a half is what I got it at in the game. Now, it's not a high number, but I'm taking under 45 and a half, and I'm also taking the Rams' team total under 19 and a half. So those are the two plays I have in this game. I think Goff is scheduled. They're taking it day by day. I think even if he plays, we know he's not 100%. I'm not expecting either quarterback, whoever plays, to be able to throw that many deep balls in this game. I really don't. I think the weather, I think it's going to be windy. I think it's hard. I think they're going to try and run the football also because Cam Akers is coming off his best game probably all season in a playoff game. He has the confidence. I think they're going to try and run the football to help Goff out. On the other side of the ball, Donald Aaron Donald is playing, and Jalen Ramsey is playing. So I think Devontae Adams 
I mean, I think he'll still have a good game because I think he's a stud. But I don't think he's going to just walk up and down the field all over these. He's not facing an average corner. He's facing the best in the mm-hmm. game, at least in my opinion. Uh, him and Gilmore from the Patriots, I would put in the best in the game. Jalen Ramsey has shut down every single receiver he's played all year. I don't expect that to change. So I think Green Bay is going to have to rely on a lot of their other guys who are, are who are capable. They're decent players um, to step up, and I don't think they're going to score a ton of points. So I'm taking under 45 and a half in Rams team total under 19 and a half. Okay, so I'm with you on the first bet for all the reasons you just said right there. I'm not going to re-repeat what you said. I love the fact you mean you even stole my matchup. I wanted to hit on that uh, Jalen Ramsey and uh, Devontae Adams matchup. I mean, got the best corner versus best wide receiver. David Bakhtiari, who is arguably the best tackle in the NFL, is out. The guy they picked up to replace him is not eligible to play until next week, which is big there. They're also going to be down another offensive lineman as well. Their guard, um, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm not even going to try right now, but they're down two starting offensive linemen. Aaron Donald says he feels fantastic and he's ready to go. That's, <laughs> That's massive. bad news for Aaron Rodgers. What? It's bad news for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, very bad news for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, any quarterback in the league is having nightmares about Aaron Donald out there. Um, another thing, too, that I kind of like as a factor against the under that you didn't hit on. I don't know if you said it or not. Did you mention that Cooper Cup is banged up? He is. I did not mention it, but that is a good point to bring up. Yeah, he's banged up, and so he's either going to be blanketed by Jair Alexander or, I mean, it's not even official yet if he's going to go or not. If he doesn't go, Robert Woods is going to be blanketed by Jair Alexander. The same time with everything you said there, this Packers defense is not that good. It's not. Teams are able to run the ball on them now. Teams have been able to run the ball successfully against the Packers all season long. I think that trend continues. I'm not going to sit here and say the Rams are going to win this game. I think the Rams keep it inside the number, though. I think six and a half points is far too generous. I think this is going to be a bang it out in the trenches kind of game. Both teams keep it on the ground. I look for Cam Akers coming off his huge performance last week, and I also look for um, running back Aaron Jones to run the ball as well on the grounds because, I mean, the Packers can run the ball too. I think it's going to be a low-scoring, grinded-out game. I think seven points is too many. I like a 24-17 type win here, 20, you know, 24 set, something something like that, 24-20, something very low scoring that stays under the total. I think the Rams will be able to run the ball up and down the field. Also, a, li- a little something that does favor your the Packers here is Goff in cold weather. He's 0-4 against the spread, and he's on under by 10 expected points. So he's going under the total, so that at least favors your two bets right there. My play here, another reason for liking to go here with the Rams is when the spread is five and a half to sixteen for an underdog or for either side in the playoffs, and the public is over sixty percent on a side, which is this game. It's sixty nine percent to fade them, which is the Rams here. So that's another thing too. I'm fading the public on the Rams. It's gonna be a fun one to watch, Ben. We got some great matchups. I mean, that Devontae Adams versus Jalen Ramsey matchup. I mean, you can't ask for a better matchup than that. It's incredible. I'm excited to watch for it. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a fun one to watch. And then, I mean, shoot, nightcap is even better, guys. We have the Baltimore Ravens going to Buffalo to play the Bills. Um, spread on this one is Buffalo, a two-and-a-half point home favorite, over-under at 49-and-a-half on this one. Ben, what are you doing with this one? Oh, so I'm actually making – I actually made a teaser for okay. all for, for all of the games. Okay. So I have I have not taken the only straight bet I've taken on a game so far is the Packers, uh, Rams game, which is the two bets I just took. 
Okay. So I will say my teaser for the people because I believe in it. Um, and then I'll just give a quick analysis of how I think this game's going to go. So I have in my teaser, I have Baltimore plus eight and a half. I have the Rams and Packers under 51 and a half. I have the Browns and the Chiefs over 51. And I have the Buccaneers plus nine at the Saints. So I already have Baltimore plus eight and a half in this game. So I'm not going to take Baltimore with the number. But I'll give a quick analysis of this game. So the weather is also another thing to look at. Um, Possibly could be snowing in this game. Um, It is in Buffalo. So expect cold weathers, expect high winds. I love the way that the Bills have um, their offense is looking. We talk about it every single week. Josh Allen is able to air out the football, use his legs when asked to. Um, Zach Moss is going to be out. He's their backup running back. So Singletary and Josh Allen are going to be asked to carry the load in the running game. Baltimore, I'm still not that impressed with them throwing the football, but they're a heck of a good team at running the football, and they're going to have to do it again. So I'm leaning – towards the bills with this small spread, but I do have Ravens plus eight and a half. So for now it's going to be a no play other than my Ravens eight and a half in that teaser. Um, Ben, you know, I'm against you on this one. I have been on the bills bandwagon since before the season started. And this bandwagon is still going to roll in the playoffs as well. I'm on the Bills here, minus the two and a half points. Look, I think Baltimore will have some success running the ball. I mean, our matchup for this game, since you know me and Ben love matchups, is arguably got to go with Lamar Jackson versus Josh Allen. You know, these guys are drafted in the same draft. They're easily the two best quarterbacks to come out of this draft class, and they were the last two drafted out of all the guys. Actually, yeah, Allen was drafted after Rosen was, so they were the last two drafted out of the first-round guys. I think it's a statement game here for Buffalo. I think they kind of got the monkey off their back winning last game. I mean, you have arguably the best passing offense in the league going up against the best rushing offense in the league slash the worst passing offense in the league and not much of a run game for Buffalo. Like you said, it's going to come down to Allen on the ground along with uh, Singletary. But I actually think the fact the Bills throw the ball so much favors them in this game. I think they're going to be able to pass the ball and move up and down the field against Baltimore. Marcus Peters is a little banged up. This is a good Baltimore defense. But Baltimore's playing now their third straight game on the road. Teams that play their third straight game on the road are under 45% against the spread historically, which is another reason I like Buffalo. Ultimately, I think the home crowd in Buffalo gets this thing done. I think this Bills team's fired up, man. I think they have all the momentum rolling here through this playoffs. This Ravens team's been hot as hell as well. But I just think Josh Allen is ready to do his thing and ready to shine in prime time and say, put some respect on us. This is our, this is Buffalo's respect game right here. I think Buffalo comes out, smacks him in the mouth. I look for Stephon Diggs to have a massive game as well. You know, they finally have, um, they have Cole Beasley obviously in there, but they finally have Smokey Brown back in there as well. This should be his third game back, so he should be ready to fit better in this offense. I think Buffalo throws it all over the yard and the Ravens won't be able to keep up. I also think as well with how healthy this Buffalo defense is, I think they're going to be able to force Lamar Jackson into some passing situations, and which should not favor Jackson, as we all know. Buffalo's defense is pretty decent against the run, so I think that they can stop this Baltimore offense and make Jackson a passer. I'm actually really interested to see how Buffalo defends Lamar Jackson. Are you going to spy him with Milano? I uh, don't know if he's fast enough. Are you going to put a safety on him, right? The Baltimore defense, though, I know that Peters might be banged up, but he, I mean, he's playing. 
Baltimore defense at all three levels have studs. That secondary throwing on Marlon Humphrey, who's been all pro, and Marcus Peters, who's been one of the best in the game for a long time now, is not easy to do. It's not easy to do when they get after you like they do. They get after the passer. Um, Judah is a tremendous pass rusher. I believe Clayus Campbell has been playing back. Am I right on that one? I think he's back. Yeah, he's been playing. He's been playing. And then who's their other pass rusher that they have? Uh, the guy they traded um, Oh, oh, Yannick from the Jags is also a good pass rusher. So I think this is not a defense that the Buffalo Bills, you know, you don't see that this that often. I, I don't think the Bills will be able to march up and down the field on all of their off- offensive possessions like they do most teams. I think it'll be a little struggle out of the gate. I think it has to settle in. But at the ultimate, you know, I see the Buffalo Bills winning this game. But I think the Ravens can keep this close because I think their defense presents a lot of challenges for the, um, for any offense that faces them. Hey, it's going to be a fun one to watch, Ben. I like the fact that we're on opposite sides on this one. Um, I mean, it's it's this is going to be a great weekend, man. These are two of the best matchups, ultimately. Y'all know I'm siding with Buffalo's passing. He wants to go with the run game of Baltimore. I mean, it's two opposite styles of football, so we know for a fact one of them is going to prevail. Hey, this is the exact same time slot Saturday night NFL game where the Ravens lost last year. Don't know if that means much, but the exact same situation once again. Um, Let's move now to our first game Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. Wow, so we got 3 p.m. start on Sunday. Gives you a little bit of time, you know, go to church, get a little workout in, get everything, get over the hangover, whatever you got to do on Sunday. We got the Cleveland Browns facing off against the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, Chiefs are a 10-point home favorite, over under 57. I'll start off with this one. I kind of hate myself for this play, but I feel like it has to happen. Give me the Do Browns it. plus 10 Do here. It. Look. Do it. I think that Stefanski and the Browns have something going. They finally beat their big-time rival with the Steelers. They're getting Denzel Ward back. I hate playing against Kansas City in this spot because Andy Reid is 25-6 and six off a of bye, and he's 20-11 and 11 ATS in the playoffs. He's 6-2 and two straight up in ATS. I would love Cleveland more in the first half than I would in the second half. Cleveland, in t- in, out of 10 of the games this season, they were up. They were leading in 10 of them at the half, and they went 10-0 and 0 in those games. I want to take Cleveland first half, but I can't because Kansas City and Andy Reid is great at drawing up plays. Ultimately... I think this Browns team's competitive. I think Kareem Hunt, this is a revenge game for him. I might even play a prop for Kareem Hunt. I think he's going to try to take it to him on the ground. Nick Chubb is a top 6'7 running back in the NFL. He's going to be pounding with him on the ground. I think Cleveland can play some keep away here and catch a rusty Kansas City team. I mean, think about all these teams who rest their starters in Week 17. We've seen them in the past. We've seen it happen to Pittsburgh, to New England. Um, we saw it happen to Baltimore last year when they rested their starters, just to give you a few examples. I think it's going to take them a little while to get things going. I mean... You, you really just don't see teams pick it up and go right at it like that out of the playoffs. The Browns are going to be hot. They're going to come in hot. Stefanski's a great offensive mind. I think he's going to have a couple drives um, written up and everything. Ultimately, I think Cleveland keeps it within inside of the 10 points but goes down. you familiar with the, uh, the phrase, hungry dog runs faster? I've heard it a few times. What do the Browns have to lose in this game? Absolutely nothing. They are... A franchise that everyone likes to make fun of. They're a franchise that no one believes in, even though it seems they've turned the corner this year. They just won a playoff game against a divisional rival on the road 
without multiple coaches and without some players. And they're a 10-point underdog to a team that is more talented than they are, is better coached than they are, and has a god playing quarterback. But why does that make the Chiefs 10 points better? The Chiefs, in my opinion, have not impressed me as much this year as they have in past years since Mahomes has been there. They've played in a lot of close games compared to what they usually do. So why do I think that they can just... I, I think they can flick on a switch and win a game just like that. I also think the Browns can play them close for three straight quarters. So I have the over 50... I have over 51 in this game, which is an alternate total because um, I have it in that teaser. I'm not taking... Eh, yeah, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. Give me Browns plus 10. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. Browns plus 10. I, I, I think they're going to play like they're disrespected. I think they have um, a quarterback that 100% knows the line and spread of this game. I don't believe for a fact that Baker Mayfield doesn't know the spread of this game. I think he plays with a chip on his shoulder. I'm not saying they win this game. I don't think they do. I think the Chiefs win. I think the Browns can keep it respectable. So give me Browns plus 10. I think Baker Mayfield is playing tremendous football right now, even without Stefanski last week. I know that he, I mean, I think he's playing, I think he, Baker Mayfield had a good season. Mm-hmm. I think he has stuff that he could still work on. And I think as soon as their season over, him and Stefanski will get back in the lab and improve even more. But you want to keep Mahomes off the field. There's not many teams that have a better running back duo than the Cleveland Browns and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They both are great at receiving the football. They both run hard. And their offensive line, I believe they're getting their guard back, who was out for COVID symptoms. Yep, they are. Um, they're getting him back, and he's like one of the best guards in the league at pass protection. So I, I think the Browns will play on a trip of their shoulder. I think they know they're the underdog. I think they're going to bring that dog mentality. And I think they're going to give it their best shot. And I think 10 points is too much for an NFL team for the playoffs. So give me Browns plus 10. I'll put my money where my mouth is. Yeah, also too, Ben, Kansas City's on number 20 in the NFL against the run. So, I mean, that bodes well for them. Also, you know, Kansas City's 1-6 against the spread in their last seven games, which, I mean, they've been playing down at their opponent's level. They seem uninterested. You know, maybe they come to play in the playoffs. But remember, Kansas City started slow last year. They fell behind early in both playoff games. I mean, you mess around and fall, fall behind early against Cleveland playing catch-up the whole game. I don't know if you can quite clear that 10 points right there. It's going to be a lot of points to get back in a game. Um, last game of the weekend, which honestly, I'm not necessarily saying this is going to be the best game out of all of them. This matchup intrigues me the most of anyone. You have Tom, you have Tom Brady in Tampa Bay going on the road to play the New Orleans Saints for the third time this season. Saints three point home favorites over under at 52 in this one. Ben, what are you playing on this one? Well, so in my teaser, as I will repeat, I have um, the Bucks plus nine in this game. Okay. I feel I feel comfortable at that number. I'd rather it be ten or ten and a half, but I'm comfortable at that number at nine. This game, I'm trying not to overthink it, and it's impossible not to overthink this. I think the first two matchups don't tell me much. The first matchup was early on in the year. Tampa Bay didn't have a ton of chemistry yet, and Antonio Brown wasn't even there. Gronk wasn't. Was he playing that first game? He might have played that first game. But has Gronk been on the Bucks this whole season? He has, yeah, he right? has, but he wasn't really yeah. involved until O.J. Howard went down. Right, okay. So the second matchup, the Saints absolutely destroyed the Bucks. I think it was like 38-3. Tom Brady looked awful. The Saints absolutely did their job. But 
that was the peak of the Saints' defense of this season. Their defense is not playing as good as it once was. It's still playing just fine. But Tampa Bay's offense is playing a lot better than they were in either matchup that the Saints saw them this year. So, I am leaning towards Bucks minus three, which is exactly why I'm going to take Saints minus three. It doesn't make sense. I'm going to do a little Dave Portnoy, man in the suit. You think one way, you take the other. I'm going to take Saints minus three. I think overall, they're a better team. At home, I think they are a better team. I would rather have Tom Brady as my quarterback than Drew Brees right now. I would rather have the weapons Tom Brady is throwing to than Drew Brees, even though Drew Brees' weapons are not bad. But I trust Alvin Kamara to continue this hot streak that he's on. I trust Sean Payton more than I trust Byron Leftwich at calling plays. And I'm going to take the home team minus three because I lean the other way, so I'm taking Saints minus three. Um, Ben, it pains me and it hurts my heart. I have to take the Saints. And look, you might Thank say you. you might say exactly what you said. You know, you can't you're not gonna lose to the same team three times in one season. Tom Brady's not gonna do it. Well, you might think that's a thing, but it's really not. Teams like the Saints that have won the first two games against a team are five and two straight up the third time they play. They're three and four ATS. And I mean, technically, they could be four, two, and one um, ATS, depending on what the, on if you uh, played in a teaser or not. So I mean, these teams have been covering the spread very well. The team that the, the team that has won the first two games when they play the third time. Look, I think that there's pretty bad matchup here for the Brown, or for the uh, Bucks, and I'm gonna tell you guys why. Brady looks absolutely awful in these games. I mean, this the Bucks cannot run the ball at all. They don't have a great run offense. Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette saw no success whatsoever. I think the Saints' defense is top three in the league, as much as it hurts me to say that as well and admit that. I mean, there's going to be some fans in the stands for the Saints. I don't think the Bucs are going to be able to move the ball. Marshawn Lattimore is going to take one of their wide receivers out of there. If they just sit back in this receiver in this uh, pass happy, I mean, we've already seen that story happen once. It happened on that Sunday night game, I mean, when they smacked the Bucs. I think the Saints coming here with a chip on their shoulder. They're pissed off out of the way they left the playoffs the last two years. I mean, they took it to the Bears last week. They said, oh, that's good and all. But let's take it once again to this team again this week. Let's take Tom Brady out of the playoffs. I think this is a statement win here for the Saints. I think they come out and bust their ass. I mean, these games weren't close when they played the first two times. The Bucs look lost. I mean, this Bucks defense is good against the run, but they actually their wins this season that they played against teams are against teams that run the ball 30% of the time. So, I mean, they are getting all these numbers against teams who don't really run the ball. Also, too, something that's not really been pointed out is the fact that Michael Thomas is back in this game. Michael Thomas caught a touchdown last week. I'm sure he's kind of upset about the way the season went. I mean, he thought he's the best receiver in the league. He was talking that talk on Twitter. Didn't really he back won it MVP. up. I be- what? He won offensive MVP. Yeah, exactly. See, he wants to back that up, and he wants people to think that he's back that that way. I think Slant Boy balls out in this game. I think Noodle Arm and him connect a lot on Sunday. Ultimately, I think Tampa Bay is going to go home. I think they're a good story and all, but we've seen this way too many times. Tampa Bay is not like that. I don't think they can come on the road here and get it done. I think New Orleans wins and covers. I like New Orleans to win by a final score of 31-27. to It's going to be a close game, don't get me wrong. I think, think Tampa Bay might put up some garbage time points as well, but I think New Orleans will be in control of this one. It's a really intriguing matchup, really intriguing. I think the Saints secondary plays with a lot of feistiness, a lot of attitude. Mm-hmm. Marshall Lattimore loves to talk, but he also backs it up. I'm okay with that. If you back it up, I'm okay with it. 
Chauncey Gardner-Johnson talks the most in the league. I don't know if, it, if there's a player in the league that talks more than this guy. Probably not. But he plays pretty well. So I, I'm really – I think I'm looking at the Saints pass rush in this game. Um, from what I've read, I believe his name is Henderson. He's the the white defensive lineman that he has that is unbelievable. And he just gets overshadowed because Cam Jordan is also there, who's also a stud. Uh, he's terrorized the Falcons for years now. I think they can get after Tom Brady here. Um, and I get that, you know, the Bucks may not run the football that well, but Fournette, I think, had like 93 or 96 rushing guards last week. Mm-hmm. I don't think he gets up to 90 this week against the Saints. I think I, I actually think the Saints strategy is to make Tom Brady throw the football. I think they want Tom Brady to throw the football close to 50 times in this game and take out all of his running game. as Because at the end of the day, they're going to throw the ball more than they're going to run it. When you have that many weapons, Gronk, A.B., Mike Evans, um, Godwins, uh, Miller. like they, they have a lot of weapons. You want to use them. And I think that's what the Saints want. I think if they can get Tom Brady to throw the ball close to 50 times a game, I think they're comfortable with how they play, that they will come out victorious at the end of the day because this is not a defense of the Saints. Mm-hmm. It's just going to roll over. If Tom Brady throws the ball 50 times, I think he completes – 30 like high 30s 35 to 38 of them i think the saints defense can win those games with that kind of stuff so um I, these two teams know each other very well the coaches know each other very well the quarterbacks know each other very well i know that that doesn't mean anything but it, it's an all-time matchup because it's two of the best quarterbacks that have ever played the game yep. playing and it's it's a treat to watch i'm gonna put back my feet and i'm gonna watch these two quarterbacks take some young defensive guys to school because that's what they can do. There's no defense that can trip up Tom Brady or Drew Brees at this point. They have seen it all. I think the Saints have a better team at executing than the Bucks do in this matchup. They've shown it twice. I think they've shown it again. Yeah, I also want to say this lastly. I kind of like that, like how you said Brady threw the ball 50 times. Brady throws the ball 50 times. There is no freaking way Tampa Bay wins this game. Um, also, when you look at the losses this season, so for the Saints' first loss, at the Raiders, I mean, that was just a fluky game. We all know that Saints weeks one and two trend where they suck, so whatever on that one. They lost versus the Packers, and they lost to the Eagles and the Chiefs. What did all three of those quarterbacks have in common? That was when Jalen Hurts was playing for the Eagles. They're all studs. <laughs> <laughs> one, they're all studs, and two, they all get out of the pocket and make plays. I think when you look at this look at this defense, that they're good against quarterbacks like Tom Brady who sit in the pocket. I mean, when you look at all these wins, they were whooping up on teams who just sit in the pocket and throw. You know, they don't really get out of the pocket and make plays downfield. I mean, every single one of these games, except I mean, the Chargers only lost to him by three points, and that was with Herbert in there. That's a close game right there because Herbert gets out of the pocket and makes plays. That was on Sunday Night Football when they came back and won at the end. I think Tampa. I think that's the kind of quarterback that New Orleans struggles against. Brady's too old to get out of the pocket. I think they're going to be able to get after Brady. I wouldn't be surprised to see Brady get strip sacked or throw an interception in this game. I'm not taking the prop though because Ben didn't predict it. That's his prop, not mine to follow. But anyway, that's all I got, Ben. You got anything else you want to say? By the way, for the people, Jalen Hurts is not a stud in the NFL. He hasn't proven that yet. Um, I think that's a fantastic point that you brought up, though. All three quarterbacks do. Mahomes, was it Mahomes, Hurts, and uh, who is um, Rogers? And Rogers. And, and listen, even though the first one may be a fluke, Derek Carr is a mobile quarterback. I mean, he Derek Carr can he likes to roll out of the pocket. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's why Gruden calls a lot of plays for him to roll out of the pocket to use his athleticism. So I'm looking forward to this game, looking forward to all these games. Uh, that's all I got. That's all I got. Hey, that's all I got too, Ben. We had a great – I honestly think this is one of our better podcasts. We had some of the best topics we've had all year to talk about. I mean, the fact we had a new Falcons head coach, my favorite player, got traded in one of the biggest NBA blockbusters we've seen in a while. We have Urban Meyer back coaching college football. I mean, of course, we have four NFL players. What else can you ask for? He's in the NFL. Urban Meyer's in the NFL now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying right there. So – Good podcast for both of us all around. Ben, appreciate you coming on once again. Hopefully we make some money this weekend. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Hey, always, Ben. It's always a pleasure. Everyone who tune in, I appreciate y'all. Love y'all. Holler at us on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever. We'll see y'all soon.